This is an AMI podcast. This is an AMI podcast. Hey there, this is Kelly McDonald, co-host of Kelly and Company on AMI-audio. On our show, we're always discussing the latest events and happenings in the blind and low vision community. Our regional contributors across Canada work tirelessly to keep you updated on events you can't miss and keep you connected to your community. So don't miss out. Listen to Kelly and Company wherever you listen to good podcasts. We're live. We're ready. Go. We'll do it live. We'll do it live. From AMI headquarters in the center of it all. Holy moly. This. The most genius. Unbelievable. Is. The most amazing. Sensational. Dramatic. And history. The neutral zone. It's Welcome to it, another edition of The Neutral Zone. It's Friday, it's steaming hot. I'm your host, Brock Richardson, coming to you from Kitchener, and also coming to you from different parts of Ontario. Our first, we'll start with Brett Wills. Brett, how are you? I'm doing well, Brock, and yourself? I'm not too bad, thanks. Uh, as I mentioned, it's hot and steamy outside, but I would take this weather over any other weather any day of the week. So for me, I'm a happy person with my air conditioning on, so it's all good. Josh Watson is also joining us. Josh, how are you? I am doing well, thank you. Just got my first post-COVID haircut, so I am feeling like a million bucks. Uh, there you go. And you're also sound, sounding like a million bucks, so there you go. You got two things going for you on this Friday. Well, guys, welcome. Before we get into the headlines, I'm just going to tell you about what's coming up. On the show, we're going to talk to President of Ontario Blind Sports, uh, Glenn Wade. He's going to tell us how they've been affected by the pandemic and what we can look forward to uh, coming up for the rest of 2020 and 2021. Also, we're going to get into a big discussion of whether Cam Newton, who recently signed with the New England Patriots, is going to make a difference in the AFC East or not, I know we're going to have a good discussion because one of our panelists is a Patriots fan and one of our panelists is a Buffalo Bills fan. So stay tuned for that. Just quickly, I just want quick thoughts on this. Uh, Austin Mar Martin signed with the Toronto Blue Jays, which was their first overall draft pick this year. Quick thoughts, Brett. Good. Like it. What do you they think? They picked the best guy in the draft as far as I'm concerned. And they got him at, as a steal at number five. Looking forward to seeing him when he actually becomes a Toronto Blue Jay. And uh, we'll just have to wait and see. They've got a really good young nucleus now. And um, some pitching would help. But uh, really excited for Austin Martin. Josh? I think it's a great thing. It's something that is been talked about a lot. And... Everyone was worried about whether it was going to happen with how the teams are made up this year, but it's done. He's in the fold, and let's go. Yeah, and there's a list of players who have been uh, listed on their squad this year. I believe as of right now, it's uh, 48 uh, players. Austin Martin was not one of those players, but with two spots remaining, I would imagine he will now fill one of them. It's not completely done yet because we're waiting for the physical to make it uh, go through, but normally those things happen. The other thing I want to get to, you guys, 
is that Winnipeg has been rumored to be a hub city for the CFL. If that does start, do you like this, Josh? I think Winnipeg's a great choice. Uh, it's a football crazy city, and what better place to have it? I mean, you could look at Alberta, you could look at BC, I suppose, but I think Winnipeg's a great choice. Brett? Yeah, like Josh said, uh, I think that Winnipeg is a great choice. I would uh, have also considered maybe Saskatchewan. They've uh, got one team in town, so they're pretty quiet in terms of uh, how busy they are. But maybe Winnipeg has the resources that Saskatchewan doesn't. So We will see. And now let's get to this week's headlines, beginning with Brett. Former Carolina Panthers quarterback Cam Newton signed a one-year contract with the New England Patriots. How does that affect the AFC division? We will discuss a little later on. Multiple sources say Toronto and Edmonton will be announced as hub cities for the remainder of the 2019-2020 season. Was this the right decision? I think so, but we'll see what the rest think. And the NHL draft happened and a placeholder happened to win the draft so there will be a redraft later on we will also discuss this a little later on so that is your headlines for today um let's revisit the um the uh the edmonton and toronto situation for me i think edmonton and toronto is probably the best uh decision to make um for uh, reasons that you know they are the best city as far as COVID nineteen cases, and you really have good resources uh, to to pull on with two arenas that are um, highly regarded in technology, and uh, the one in Edmonton is the one of the newer ones. So this is a very good decision. Brett, thoughts for you? Do you like this? Uh, I believe that certainly Toronto is a. Uh, it w- would have been my number one choice either way, even if it hadn't been uh, chosen. Uh, Edmonton, I-, I know that they've got a really brand new rink. It's beautiful. It's top of the line. Uh, I- I'm excited to see hockey back. I really hope that this works out for Toronto and Edmonton as the hub cities. I don't, For me, it's one of those things that I just am really confused about why you often hear fans say, Oh, I'm so happy they're in Canada. I guess the only thing I can come up with, Josh, maybe it's the optics for TV, why we're we're uh, excited about this. 30 seconds on that. Why do you think fans are excited about it being in Canada? Well, I think, number one, they're just happy to have hockey coming back without all the rigmarole that we've had with the MLB. But as you pointed out earlier, both of you, Edmonton is a state-of-the-art facility. It's going to be great for uh, fan experience if there are fans, but especially for uh, broadcasting. And Toronto just has that history, that mystique. So I, I think they're going to be great choices. And just a quick note that Edmonton will be the host for the Stanley Cup final. Again, we are waiting actual confirmation, but multiple, multiple sources have said it, so it seems to be uh, just waiting for that final stamp of approval so that are that's your headlines for this week and uh, I love doing that uh, ladies and gentlemen it gives you a quick little synopsis of what's going on in the world 
Coming up next, we are going to talk to President of Ontario Blind Sports, Glenn Wade, all things Ontario Blind Sports and how they've been affected in the pandemic and moving forward. Stay with us. We'll be right back. Welcome back to the Neutral Zone AMI Voices for Ability Broadcast booth. And we are set to get this ball game underway. The first pitch brought to you by Brock Richardson's Twitter account at NeutralZoneBR. First pitch, strike. And hey, gang, why not strike up a Twitter conversation with Brett Wills from the Neutral Zone? Find him at Neutral Zone Brett. Swinging a chopper to second base right at CP Buchanan 13. Claire picks up the ball, throws it over to first base for a routine out. And fans, there is nothing routine about connecting with Cam and Josh from the Neutral Zone. At Neutral Zone, Cam J and at J Watson 200. Now that's a winning combination. And this organ interlude is brought to you by AMI-audio on Twitter. Get in touch with the Neutral Zone. Type in at AMI-audio. Welcome back to the Neutral Zone on AMI Audio and Voices for Ability. I am your host, Brock Richardson, joined by Josh Watson and Brett Wills. Guys, as that uh, Twitter tag was playing, I had this image of our esteemed manager at AMI Audio, Andy Frank, playing the organ interlude. He's a big baseball guy, so I could picture Andy up there in the uh, echelons of some baseball park somewhere playing the organ interlude. So, love that. that new tag we got going. We're going to welcome in our guest for today, and that is the president of Ontario Blind Sports, Glenn Wade. Glenn, welcome back to the show. We're happy to have you. Brock, thank you so much. Josh, Brett, great to be with you guys. Wrap up a Friday, or uh, in a lot of cases, I guess, to midday for for some, but it's, uh, it's always great to uh, share the air with you. Yes, we're looking forward to this as always. And Glenn, before I ask you the first question, one of my favorite events of the year is the uh, Ontario uh, Gala that you guys host every year. And uh, we're going to get to later on whether that is still a go. But one of my favorite events every year that I circle the calendar. So love to hear about that a little later on. But for those listeners who may not know about Ontario Blind Sports. Can you give us a little synopsis on what you guys do? Certainly. Uh, We provide uh, opportunities for our kind of uh, mantra, if you will, or mission statement is really uh, sports from grassroots to the podium. So uh, provide opportunities to introduce people to blind, visually impaired, to sport often for the first time and uh, allow them the opportunity to experience different sports so they can decide, determine if they're indeed, uh, often is the case growing up, kids gravitate towards one or two sports, and we try to provide an opportunity for them to try you know, track and field, swimming, uh, judo, wrestling, powerlifting. One of our main sports that we've, it's kind of always been our mainstay, if you will, is goalball, a sport that was developed specifically for the blind, and uh, it seems to be what a lot of people gravitate towards, and uh, we, we provide a lot of opportunity for growth and uh, competition in, in that area. 
Well, Glenn, it's, I think, my first opportunity to speak with you, so it's a pleasure to uh, to do so. I'm wondering, how has the pandemic impacted Ontario Blind Sports? It's, uh, as I suppose, uh, all of our similar organizations, it's impacted us in a way that most of what we do for, as far as the membership goes, we've got 100-plus members, and, you know, the majority of what we do is in person or, you know, in a gym uh, on a practice field or uh, uh, a court of play, so to speak. And uh, so it certainly removed that opportunity to have our members come together and uh, you have the social aspect of it, but also the competitive side. So uh, we've had to find new ways to stay in touch with our members to try to help them navigate, you know, as athletes, uh, especially those who are working towards more of the high-performance side of things, we want to make sure that they can maintain at least some level of uh, fitness, if you will, and, and practice their particular sport so that once we are able to move forward and actually re-engage, that, you know, they won't be right starting from ground zero. They'll still have some level of uh, preparedness, even if it's just individually. So, I think that's one of been our biggest challenges, staying connected with our members, finding a way to help them still, encourage them, motivate them uh, from a distance. You know, it's the old uh, virtual, virtual this, virtual that. Hey, Glenn, the optics have changed for many organizations across the world since the middle of March. How long do you feel it's going to take Ontario Blind Sports to get back to quote end quote normal. That's a great question because, as you say, the the optics have changed and they they are ever changing. I, we had a uh, provincial goalball championship scheduled for the end of March, and uh, we were just debating. It was scheduled for the 28th, 29th weekend there, and. We were debating a couple of weeks before, do we go or don't go? And then basketball came out and canceled their schedule. And then we, we knew that it was time to pull the plug. But we kind of put it out there to say we're postponing it and not canceling it because we truly thought that within a few weeks things might settle down and maybe we can recongregate. And, you know, the weeks turned into what's now months and we're, we're hoping by the fall, which would be our typical start-up again for our goalball season, we're hoping that there will be some level of engagement by that point. We realize it likely won't be full-on competition where you've got three players in close proximity on a team uh, throwing a ball that you know multiple people handle back and forth. So we realize that likely won't happen for a while yet, but at least we want to be able to get some smaller groups of people together for more individual practice and drills, if you will, to to allow them to stay engaged that way. And, you know, fingers crossed, October, November, maybe we can uh, have some games uh, commencing again. You're listening to The Neutral Zone, and we're here with President of Ontario Blind Sports, Glenn Wade. Glenn, as Brock alluded to earlier, uh, one of his favorite events and one of your biggest ones is actually the Hall of Fame Gala. Is that still going to be happening in 2020? Uh, we have unfortunately had to or decided to uh, pull the plug, so to speak, decide to move that out to 2021. Um, even 
An event like that that we put so much energy into, we have so many volunteers and groups that support us from a sponsorship perspective. Uh, we want it to be fair to everybody and give enough time to let them know that you know we won't be able to go this year. Um, we didn't want to put too much time and effort and then pull the plug at the last minute. We also didn't think people would be comfortable coming together in a large group come November, our typical time frame. And the other side of it, also looking at, yes, sport is important. What we do is definitely highly important to our members and uh, us as the volunteers. But it's, we felt it was tough going out asking for people to donate to support when there are so many other people needing that support right now as well that uh, kind of uh, make sure there's enough to go around. We'll, uh, we'll reconvene for our 2021 gala, and it'll be bigger and better kind of the way we looked at it. Glenn, as we've been pointing out, there's been an awful lot of things that have been put on hold for uh, at least the, the last three months of 2020. Is there anything that you would like to highlight that's going to be happening with Ontario Blind Sports going forward for the remainder of the year? We're really, uh, we, we've been holding uh, calls with our members, just inviting basically open calls to find out you know, well, share what we're doing, what our staff are doing to, uh, as we call it, keep the lights on and keep things, keep some momentum moving forward, looking at what we've done in the past, building building on programs to be able to really hit the ground running when we are able to. But uh, we're going to be reaching out more individually to members as the summer winds down the end of August and find out what it is they would like to see, what do they need to feel supported both either if it's now just individually, virtually, or you know, how do they envision things unfolding, make sure there's a comfort level there that they know when they do come back that uh, things will be done in a, an effective and a safe manner. Um, we're looking to do more online virtually in the fall. Our, we have a, a high-performance camp in October of the year for our athletes who are vying for, say, a spot on our uh, provincial or national goalball teams and uh, track and field for athletics and that. So we're looking to hold some of uh, those seminars and events virtually and uh, looking to find out from our members what would they see value in that way. So it's uh, trying to just re-engage and have everybody ready to to really go when, when the the starting pistol goes off, I guess, for uh, the new season. Well, that certainly sounds good. Are there ways, given that the gala is not going forward this year, that people can help support you, even if it is from afar at this point? Uh, we are going to be meeting to kind of strategize a little more on that towards the end of the summer as a board and staff to talk about that. Um, we... Certainly, always welcome any support that people you know want to uh, help us with. But uh, kind of as I alluded to with the uh, gala, moving of the gala out to 21, we certainly recognize how much right now, how many groups out there, how much people are affected on a just a day-to-day -day perspective. So uh, we don't want to take away from that in to some degree as well. So we're. Uh, with more to come on that as the uh, September we get through the summer and uh, we're able to maybe identify ways that uh, we, we can share that with everybody. 
Glenn, if there's anybody that's listening to us right now and they want to get involved with Ontario Blind Sports, how would they go about that? A uh, great place to start would be uh, our website at uh, blindsports.om.ca. Um, certainly all your uh, links there, for, and that's something we've uh, been able to start working on a little more from uh, cleaning up our website perspective. Things like that can certainly, when you're out there in the field uh, just you know participating in sports and uh, focused on that end of it, sometimes the admin side can... Uh, not be as uh, the, the attention doesn't quite get there. So we've been able to uh, spend some more time on it. So we're updating information kind of daily there. Um, you can certainly reach out to our uh, staff members, uh, Richard or Rhonda, and uh, that they can be reached at uh, Richard at blindsports.on.ca or Rhonda. This Rhonda is spelled with an, uh, an A-R-A-N-D-A as opposed to your typical R-H uh, spelling. But So either of those folks would certainly be able to help you out. And uh, you can also reach myself. It's uh, Glenn Wade, and my email would be glenn with one N, W, at rogers.com. As a leader of the board, so to speak, President, I'd certainly uh, be interested in chatting with any members or potential members, anybody looking to find out more about the organization and uh, further connections that way. Glenn, I know that at the gala you really, really speak highly of your, your board. Can you just give us a little bit of a synopsis in about 90 seconds of how important your board is for Ontario Blind Sports? Certainly, yes, and uh, that's, that is a group that I really try to uh, recognize at our gala every year because really we, we have two staff members who are kept very busy, but th- things like the gala that the board jumps in and takes on and really that most of what happens there from a uh, beating the bushes and really the, 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 all the, the details of the event are uh, the board members. We've got the vice president, treasurer, slash secretary, uh, member at large. Um, it's they're, they're a group that just, it's very much a working board from a hands-on perspective and uh, a lot of great input. It's a very balanced board from uh, input perspective. You know, we, it's, we couldn't do it without... Uh, without the, the, the input. Uh, just quickly run down, we've got Brian Arthur. A lot of people in the blind community would know uh, the names Brian Arthur. we got Jason Dunkerley, Bill Morgan, and then myself. Our secretary-treasurer is Barbara Plaitis, and uh, Kyle Pelly, a uh, past staff member of OBSA, uh, is on the board still as well. So certainly uh, an all-star group there. Glenn, uh, you certainly do have a great organization, and although understandably I'm kind of sad to hear that the uh, gala isn't happening this year just because it is one of my favorite events of the year, but uh, here's to 2021, and I know it'll be bigger and better. Thank you so much for taking the time to do this interview. We really appreciate it. Thank you, guys. Really appreciate it, and uh, let's stay in touch, and we'll certainly, as more information comes available, uh, AMI has been an amazing partner in the event over uh, the years, so 
we'll certainly keep you guys posted and uh, share in those plans moving forward. That is Ontario Blind Sports President Glenn Wade talking to us about their future plans and how they've been affected by the pandemic. Coming up next, I know we're going to get into a heated discussion here because, as I mentioned at the top of the show, I have one Patriots fan and one uh, Buffalo Bills fan. So this is all going to affect the AFC East. We're discussing Cam Newton after the break here on The Neutral Zone on AMI-audio and Voices for Ability. Stay with us. a message for the neutral zone call now 1-866-509-4545 and don't forget to give us permission to use your message on the air let's get ready to leave a voicemail Welcome back to this program we call The Neutral Zone. I am your host, Brock Richardson, joined by Brett Wills and Josh Watson. And before we even get going on this topic, I have to uh, correct myself as I've <laughs> been making a mistake for the last oh, 30 minutes. Um, pull back the curtain. We email back and forth probably at least three, four, five times a week and discussing this segment I thought Josh Watson responded to this to this particular segment and said, "Oh, it'll be a great segment because I'm a Pats fan and Brett's a Bills fan." No, no, no. Uh, Josh Ooh. tells me in the commercial break he is actually a Dolphins fan, so I will apologize publicly on national radio that I made a mistake because that'd be like calling me a Montreal Canadiens fan, and the fact that you bit your tongue for a while is amazing because i don't know if i could have done that to be honest well i'm the new guy here so i try to you know play along as much as i can but things things have to be accurate uh, i don't know yes, why absolutely. you're apologizing i really don't know why you're apologizing he's a, he's a dolphins fan <laughs> yes well it's still going to make for a relevant conversation as he alluded to in his email but he did tell me he was a dolphins fan um Having said that, Cam Newton signed a one-year deal, former Carolina Panthers quarterback, as Brett alluded to earlier, for a one-year deal with the New England Patriots. First of all, before we get into how this affects the AFC and all that jazz, what are your general thoughts on this signing? Josh, let's start with you. I am perplexed, and I'm perplexed based on what we know about Cam Newton and about Bill Belichick as a coach. I'm personally wondering if this was a Belichick decision or whether this was a Robert Kraft decision, because when I look up Cam's stats, he's thrown 182 touchdowns in his career versus 108 interceptions. That to me does not scream Bill Belichick quarterback. I honestly think he wanted to take one of the QBs on staff already and mold them the way he did with Tom Brady. And I have a feeling that Robert Kraft has probably stepped in and said, no, 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 you're going to bring me an established quarterback or else. So I, I would be curious to hear 
whose decision this was. And we won't for who knows how long. Brett, before I add something into this, what are your thoughts? Well, listen, he's signed for something like $600,000 or five fifty, something like that. So bringing him in to compete for the starting job, I, I think it's a no-brainer, to be perfectly honest with you. He's established. He's a winner. Um, the only thing that I, I'm concerned about is whether or not he fits into the system that Bill Belichick has. Josh, I'll let you go first on this one because you alluded to this. Is this literally a situation where either Bill Belichick or Robert Kraft are saying, Bills, you thought you had the AFCs tied up? Uh, Let's throw in this wrench. Or was this their plan (laughs) all along, in your opinion? Well, first of all, I'm not convinced that the Bills had the AFCs tied up. I think there's a quarterback in Miami that just got drafted who's going to change the way things go but you know that's that's my personal opinion there speaking as uh, a Miami fan exactly exactly I, mean, I, I don't think it's going to be long before Tua is in the uh, the white and aqua and starting on the field but in terms of what it does um, it certainly can't hurt them if Cam can play within Bill's system, then I think they've they've got a chance. But I just I don't know. He seems to be a bit cavalier, hence the 108 interceptions in his career, his uh, 60% completion percentage. Uh, I I just don't know how this is going to play out. I really don't, and I'm not familiar enough with their weapons on offense to know if they have the receivers to catch the passes or the running back to take the load off. Yeah, we will see. Brett, as a one Bills fan to another, is this a case where the Patriots went, na-na-na-boo-boo, we got this name, and that's all that matters? Absolutely not. This guy needs to stay healthy in order for, to help the Patriots win, and he's not going to stay healthy. He's proven that time and time again. So. I, I predict, and I, I see it right now in the back of my head, the Buffalo Bills are probably going to win 10 or 12 games, and New England will be sliding there in second, probably with nine wins. Interesting predictions. Brett, Brett is back to his old uh, putting predictions on here on the neutral zone. And, and if, if I can interrupt you for a second, Brock, um, yeah. Yeah, um, with Miami, with Miami there, um, Tua's got to get healthy in order for him to start. So um, I, I don't see that happening this year. Um, great quarterback, but again, it, the name of the game is is staying healthy. And if you can't stay healthy, you're not going to be able to perform. You're not even going to be able to be on the field. So uh, I, I see, uh, I, I see uh, the Dolphins probably winning uh, maybe six games. Ooh, Ooh, six. Ooh. Ooh. I I don't know. The last time I checked, I, I'm pretty sure I read that Tua was healthy. So it's just a matter of it, how it, Josh, quickly they want to put him in. Josh, it's okay, though, because uh, you have the Jets in that division, too, and they're absolutely abysmal. So at least <laughs> they're not going to finish in dead last. I, I, I will take that from you. <laughs> 
That is true. That is true. Is it a foregone conclusion that Cam Newton becomes the starting quarterback or do they take a take a more of a run at Jimmy Garoppolo who's always sat on the sidelines with Tom Brady? Like give me a reason as to why for 600,000 this guy's automatically the starting quarterback, Brett. Well, Garoppolo's no, like, not going to be the quarterback because he's in San Francisco. Sorry. Oh, I thought no, he was and that, still. A, I thought he was no, still he, in he, New England. No, Garoppolo was the uh, starting quarterback uh, for the uh, San Francisco 49ers last year, and he I took him to the, the Super whole Bowl. Year. Okay, but um, I an entire year. Here, here's the thing of it, about Cam Newton and the New England Patriots. He will be the starting quarterback again, provided he stays healthy. He will succeed, but they will fall short. Yes, I, I will see. I mean, I think for me, I think it's one of those things where the New England Patriots, no matter who they have, I mean, Tom Brady was always the one guy where everyone for years and years was like, oh, he's gone, he's written off, and then he would come back and win a whole bunch of games. Cam Newton kind of screams that same kind of thing. Everyone's talking about injuries year after year, and, um, you know, I I just, who knows what will happen. The other thing that I find interesting is this signing was on the same day that the New England Patriots got fined $1.5 million dollars for an investigation that had been going on for like over a year and a half for uh, cheating and filming and that kind of thing. Is this just the New England Patriots way? This is the way they are, isn't it? I think that uh, it's uh, it's a Robert Kraft thing, to be honest with you. Uh, I mean, yeah. I don't like Bill Bel- I don't like Bill Belichick any further than I can throw him, but I, I genuinely feel it's a Robert Kraft thing. Yeah, honestly, go ahead. I I tend to agree. I think it's Robert Kraft saying I want an established quarterback on my roster. And I do agree that it is a foregone conclusion that he's going to be the starter. The question will be how long Bill will put up with whatever happens with him or how long he stays healthy. Um, But it definitely feels like a, a Kraft decision to me. I I think he likes being the king of the mountain, and I don't think he wants his team to fall off of it. Will you see, Bill Belichick's always been known for, like, short answers. I'm cranky. If we win, I don't want to, if we win, I want to talk about it. If we we lose, I don't. Um, Having said that, do you think we're going to see a little bit of a different side of Bill Belichick because this is a new look for the New England Patriots, or is it more? Um, is it more? That's just who Bill Belichick is. I think that's who he is. I can't see him changing for any reason. If there's a problem going on on the field and they lose games, I think it'll be Cam. Go explain yourself. That's fair. He's never been the guy to you know um, be be nice with his players. He's always been. I gotta. I, I, we got to win. I mean, you've heard stories of them training in, in the middle of snowstorms, and he really doesn't care, and that's just Bill Belichick. Brett, thoughts? Do you want a short answer? No, we got a couple of minutes. Be, because here's the thing about Bill Belichick, as we know. 
uh, he will either be extremely vocal because he's extremely ticked off or on the other side, he will give a one word answer. So I would suspect that there's going to come a time where maybe he's going to open up a little bit, uh, at least at the beginning, because now he's got a brand new quarterback. Um, that's not so new, but you know what I mean? Uh, and then revert to his one-word answers late, late in the season. It really depends on how well they start off. If uh, if if they come out with guns blazing, I think that uh, you'll see a silly little smile on his face. If uh, they crash and burn, he's going to be the Bahambug Bill Belichick that we all know. Yeah, we'll see. I You know what? For me, I always like the, uh, you know, I, I get a kick out of Bill Belichick being the one-word answer guy. He always stands behind the, you know, the big Gillette, you know, the, the sponsorship in the uh, press conference. And it's always, yes, no, on to the next game, on to the next game. That's his 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 MO. And we'll see if that changes uh, moving forward. Be very, very fascinating uh, to see what happens in this coming season if it happens because the NFL is kind of in that situation where we don't know what's happening right now. They're kind of looking at it as we're gung ho. We're ready to do this, but we'll see uh, when the time comes, we're going to take a break here on the neutral zone. We're going to come back and we're going to talk about the NFL draft. We also might get into Vince Carter retiring and whether his number should be retired or shouldn't be retired. We will talk about all that. And who knows what else on the other side of the break here on The Neutral Zone on AMI-audio and Voices for Ability. We'll be right back. Welcome back to the Neutral Zone here on AMI-audio and Versus Verbality. I am your host, Brock Richardson, joined by Josh and Brett. Well, guys, something just came across my screen, and I want to touch on it. Uh, Mike Trout on the MLB's return says, Honestly, I do not feel comfortable. Brett, you had something to add on to that in the commercial break? Please add it on air. So apparently Mike Trout has a baby on the way. I mean, his wife is pregnant. So during this time or during the baseball season, even if uh, we weren't dealing with COVID, his wife was going to be giving birth. So I suspect that that's probably a large factor in his comments about not wanting to play. Yes, I would agree. Josh, you got anything to add there? Just that I think now that we see Mike coming out and saying this publicly, I think you're going to see other more high-profile players coming out and saying it as well. Because honestly, we've all watched the news. We've all seen how the uh, the numbers in Florida and Texas and all of these states in the U.S. are just climbing rapidly. So... As much as I want sports to come back, I think at some point we have to do what's best for the greater good and say, sure, these are professional athletes. It's their job to keep their bodies in peak performance. But 
we've seen this virus take down even healthy individuals. So I, I just don't know if it's safe to do it, to be honest. Okay, to your point, because you actually took my next question right Sorry. out. That's okay. No, no, I'm totally okay with that. No problem. Um, if more, quote-unquote, higher-profile athletes decide in whatever sport, I don't want to play because I'm not comfortable, and they follow suit with Mike Trout, does that water down sports return, or are fans going to be that much Still, I'm excited for sports to come back, and that's it. I think it's going to depend on the sports fan. I I know there's somebody on another mic here who is just itching for sports, so he might be okay regardless. But I think there are going to be some who say, you know what? If my favorite player who's a big star is not there, I just don't have the same appeal. I just don't have the same draw to it. I'm kind of on the fence personally. Uh, it depends on how many players would, would step aside for me. But we'll see what happens. I mean, at the end of the day, players have to do what's right for them. And I think we sometimes forget that the players are people. And they have lives and they have other considerations than just entertaining the masses. Yeah. Brett, you do literally bleed sports. Um, are you okay with this if... Other higher-profile athletes in whatever sport say, no, nah, I'm not interested. I am, but I'm only okay with it because this COVID situation is playing with people's lives, literally. So I think well, 100%, it's got to be up to the individual to decide whether or not he wants to go play or whether whether she wants to go play. Uh, it's It's... It's their livelihood. They get paid to play a game. I get that. But there's more to life than sports. And I don't think you'd ever hear me say that. Yeah. I'm actually, you know what? I'm actually really surprised you said it. Josh, you were going to say? I was just going to say, yeah, I'm I'm a bit surprised as well. But I, I think the people who are coming up, out and I don't think there are many, but the ones that are saying, you know, shut up and play your sport are people that maybe don't have the best view of reality in terms of who these people are. Yeah, I agree. And when you think of the Mike Trout situation and you think of baby, you would automatically in that situation have a vulnerable uh, person coming into this world. And I'm sure there are as there are with the general public, there are those same stories uh, that you hear throughout sports. So it'll be interesting to see if other players follow suit. Guys, I wanted to touch on the draft. Uh, so 24 teams made the playoffs. Seven teams did not. And those seven teams had better odds to win the lottery. And then the eight teams that are in the first play-in round were also um, considered placeholders obviously then if you move on you would then uh not be part of it which would only then leave four teams that would not be part of it if a placeholder won the draft lottery then there would be a redraw between all four losing teams in the play-in round to determine who would get the number one overall pick and the number one overall pick happens to be going to a placeholder this year brett 
as a hockey fan, did the NHL get this one wrong? Yeah, they really botched it. And I mean, I've been complaining about Gary Bettman for the better part of 15 years, but uh, yeah, his organization really screwed this one up real bad. However, I'm going to suggest that it would be really cool, and I, I hate to say this because you all know that I'm a big Maple Leafs fan, but it would be really cool to see Alex Lafreniere go to Montreal. Ooh. For a guy who bleeds blue, that is a huge, huge acknowledgement to say Alex Lafreniere could go to the Montreal Canadiens. Well done. Were you uncomfortable with that, Brett? I have to know. No, because in Toronto, we've got three or four Alex Lafaniers. That's fair. To me, Josh, before I get your thoughts, to me, there are two teams that, even though I'm a fan of one of these, there are two teams that just simply cannot win this second draft lottery. (laughs) Uh, And one of them is the Toronto Maple Leafs, and the other one is the Edmonton Oilers. Why did I throw the Edmonton Oilers in there? Because they had like five out of seven years where they had a top pick and have done zippity doo and I think the world would just completely cringe if they got the first overall pick. And everyone knows what would happen if the Leafs got the first overall pick. It would just be this bleep storm of like, oh, the Leafs, you know, they, they got it only because of this crazy pandemic draft lottery so i it just can't happen can it josh uh definitely not i i think saying that the hockey world would cringe is an understatement i think the hockey world would melt down if edmonton got the first pick out of all of this they just you you'd have people in the streets going this thing's rigged this thing's rigged so it you're you're right it can't happen that Edmonton gets it. Um, Toronto getting it, I'm a fan of the Leafs, so I, I can't say I'd be horribly disappointed. But I do agree with Brett when he says that Alex Lafreniere would be an asset to the Canadians. Um, he's he's Quebec-born, as I understand it, and he's played in the queue. It just it would be such a good fit. Having said that, he's also an incredible talent, so I would love to see him go somewhere and be sort of like Gretzky was for L.A. when he got traded there. Someone who can bring fans into a team that might be struggling, because as much as I don't think places like Tampa and Florida and Arizona should have hockey teams necessarily. I I think having someone who's just that skilled could get Americans behind the game, which if that's the hill Gary Bettman is going to die on, then we would, would definitely help things. So two, two things that I just want to want to point out the, the part where I agree with you guys about Montreal getting this, this, this player Alex Lafreniere, and for those of you that watch the World Juniors, you know how good he is. Montreal had a 1% chance of making the playoff when this thing froze. They are now in the playoffs because of the way it is. Having said that, I wouldn't want to play Carey Price completely healthy, rested, 
don't want to do it. Um, so that's that's the one thing. The other is just you're gonna. Uh, my fear is you're gonna see teams in that first round try to lose because oh well maybe we can get the number one pick. That is not what the NHL wanted, and I just I'm in fear for that. Brett, thoughts? We might have lost Brett. Actually, I'm just in complete. No, sorry, I, I, I'm here. I, I apologize. Um, That's okay. Listen, li- listen. What's what's done is done, and what's going to happen is going to happen. I, I don't necessarily like the way things have gone, uh, but they had to do something uh, to protect the the rest of their season and to figure out how they were going to go with the draft. So. Uh, I mean, I, I'm over it. I, I'm uh, congratulations to whoever's going to get the first overall pick. Um, it uh, it'll be interesting. Yeah, absolutely. I just want to get to this one just to close out the show. Vince Carter recently announced his retirement. Should his number be retired? One, and should it be retired in Toronto? Josh, start with you on this one. I could see it being retired. Do I think it should be? I'm going to say no, because at the end of the day, yes, he did bring basketball to the forefront in Toronto, but we didn't win any championships. We didn't, I don't think, even win that many playoff rounds with him here. Was he a great player? Sure. But to retire his number... There are lots of great players that have gone through the NBA whose numbers aren't retired. Fair enough. Brett? Well, my colleague is not wrong very often, but this time he's wrong. Yes, they should be retiring his number. Yes, it should be the first number retired by the Raptors. Uh, He's done nothing but good things for basketball within this country, devoid of... Uh, what happened with uh, him wanting to leave or whatever, uh, he he deserves to have his number retired. Yeah, I I would put uh, a couple of people ahead of of Vince Carter. I would put uh, Demar Derozan and the still playing uh, Kyle Lowry for the Toronto Raptors. I know I could see here, but cringing at me. I get the sediment of why you want to do Vince Carter first, but I think I'm with Josh in the sense of there are a slew of Toronto Raptors who uh, would be deservingly uh, to be retired first. Not on my short list, which I've heard this, is Kawhi Leonard. I think one and done is not the right opportunity to do that. That is the end of our show for this week. I'd like to thank Josh Watson and Brett Wills. I'd also like to thank our technician, Matt Agnew, Our technical supervisor is Paula Deneen, and our manager of AMI-audio is Andy Frank. Tune in next week because you never know what happens when you enter the neutral zone. Have a great week. We'll talk to you next week. This was an AMI podcast. For more accessible media, visit AMI.ca.